0: Would you give me your undivided attention for a few moments? And let's pay attention to the Word. It's so easy to get distracted, uh, but let's just listen to the Word today. Give your full attention to it because I believe that it has the potential to change your life if we would just pay attention to it. Amen. How many is excited to hear what you feel like the Lord wants to speak to you today about? All right. And so let's just uh, open our ears and our hearts to the Word And just remember that there are people that's sitting around you. And so let's be respectful of them as the word goes forth and let's pay attention this morning. So thank you so very much. Let's go to the Lord in prayer today as we open our hearts to hear what the Lord would have to say to us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to look at your word. We pray that you would open our ears and our hearts that we would hear from you. We bind, rebuke, and bring to no effect every distraction. Uh, uh, and Lord, we open our ears and hearts to hear from you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I'm going to echo what Pastor Brandon said earlier. Welcome today. If you are a guest for the first or second time, we welcome you. And hopefully you've had time to fill out the connection card and today and take it to the a red booth right after church. We'll be standing there by the Next Step booth, and I'll be standing there or so, uh, one of the staff members will be standing there and you'll get a free gift. And right after church, the snow cone uh, uh, will be here. And so we're going to give away $200 worth of snow cones right after church. So you don't want to miss it. So right after church, we'll be doing that. And so if you are a guest today, you automatically get a ticket for uh, a free snow cone. All right? Can I hear an amen? So if you're a guest right after church, we'll have a ticket for you in the foyer. Make sure you fill out that card, though. And get your free ticket for a snow cone, all right, are you ready for the word? Today I'm going to start a sermon series called "What's So Great about it?" and I'm going to preach it for the next three Sunday mor- for the next two Sunday mornings. I'm going to start this morning, and I'm going to carry it on next Sunday and the Sunday after. What's so great about it? What's so great about it? The Pew Research Center had an article in July of 2020, last year, and the article was called this, The Global God Divide. The article was basically reporting and writing about the importance of religion in people's lives. After they did their study, they concluded that in the 40, in the 34 countries that they had surveyed, of people said that religion plays an important role in their daily life. Now, as I read that article, I found that to be very interesting because religion is a hot topic nowadays. And the reason it's a hot topic is for years, liberal uh, scientists and atheists and God-haters have hoped that uh, religion would somehow fade away And they hoped that it would fade away because they thought that society would become more advanced in science and more progressive in education. So these liberal scientists thought that if we would progress in our education and we would become more modern in thought and practice, then somehow religion would just fade away and they wouldn't have to worry about that tyrant any longer. But to the contrary, my friends, Religion keeps growing around the world. It is certainly not dying. Religion is not declining. In fact, I would argue this morning that religion is growing around the world, namely Christianity. For instance, in America, church attendance has shown a decline in the past three decades. However, statistics shows us that 40% of Americans will attend church at least on Sunday mornings once a week, and more than 90% of Americans will say they believe in God, and 60% will say that faith and religion is very important to them. There was an editor by the name of Paul Bloom. He wrote an article called The Atlantic Monthly, And in that article, he said, well, over half of Americans believe in the supernatural. They believe in miracles, they believe in demons, they believe in devils, and they believe in angels. A century ago, listen to this, a century ago, less than 10% of Africa was Christian. Less than 10 years ago, less than 10 years ago, uh, a century ago, excuse me, a century ago, less than 10% of Africa was Christian. But today, Africa is composed of 50% Bible-believing Christians. You see, religion is not dying. It is actually growing around the world. There was a theologian that said it like this, and I quote, listen to his article in the book called What's So Great About Christianity, and I quote, and he said this, While Western preachers routinely employ people to come to church every Sunday to fill the pews, some African preachers ask their members to limit their attendance to every second and third Sunday to give a chance for people to hear the message. In other words, Christianity is growing in Central and South America. In Central and South America, they are witnessing, as I speak, explosive growth in the charismatic and Pentecostal movement. You see, Brazil had around 50 to 60 million Christians in 1950, but now in the year 2020, they estimated that there are over 120 charismatic Catholics and Christians in Brazil. I'm telling you today that Christianity is not dying, but Christianity is actually exploding around the world. Philip Jenkins wrote a book called The Next Christendom, and Philip Jenkins said this in his book, and and I quote, the era of Western Christianity has passed within our lifetime, and the day of Southern Christianity is now dawning upon us. In other words, he is saying that the West, which is America, it was primarily known for its Christian values and Christianity, but now it has shifted to the southern hemisphere of the world, and Christianity is exploding in Central and South America. For instance, South Korea is known as the second world's largest source of Christian missionaries. In other words, South Korea is known to send out more missionaries throughout the world than any other nation under heaven except for America. At this present moment, they have at least sent 12,000 clergy to preach the gospel around the world. I love what this person said in his book, What's so great about Christianity? He said it like this, and I quote, At one time, Christian missionaries went to far countries of Africa and Asia, where white priests in robes proclaimed the Bible to wide-eyed, uncomprehending brown and black people. But in the future, we may well see black and brown missionaries proclaim the Bible to wide-eyed, uncomprehending white people in the West. I'm telling you... Christianity is growing around the world. We often read that Islam is the fastest growing religion, but my friends, that is false information. That is not true. Christianity is the fastest grown religion around the world and Islam is the second. Islam has 1.6 billion followers while Christianity has 2.3 billion followers and it is growing on every continent around the world. Islam usually grows through reproduction, large families. You're born into it, then you're a Muslim. But Christianity is spreading throughout the world, not by the sword, not by necessary. You're born into it, but it's spreading around the world through rapid conversion around the world. Jesus said in John chapter three, that you must be born again for you to enter the kingdom of heaven. And I'm telling you that on every continent around the world, people are experiencing conversion at a fast rate. People are coming to Christ at a fast rate. You may look around in America and say, but all I see is Deficiency. All I see is lack. I don't see that the church is growing or exploding. But let me remind you today that Christianity in America does not represent all of Christianity around the world. Can I hear an amen? Christianity in America does not represent all of Christians around the world. Now, why did I just read that to you? Because I want you to be encouraged this morning to know this. Why does it even matter that Christianity is growing? Well, I'm glad you're here. And I'm also glad that you asked the question. And the reason for that this morning, the reason that I believe it's important for you to know that Christianity is exploding around the world, because that tells me that we are on the winning side. Hallelujah. I said we are on the winning side. The church is prevailing. We are overcoming. The church is not weak. The church is not sick. The church is not frail. The church is not exhausted. The church is not drained. The church is not puny. The church is not anemic. The church is not defeated. The church is not a poor, barely making movement. But the church of Jesus Christ is alive and it's well. It is strong and it's powerful. It is victorious. It is mighty. It is triumphant. It is conquering. Death and hell has been conquered. You are now part of a movement that is reaching around the world. And Jesus said upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Is there anybody in the building that can just go ahead and testify that we are all the winning side and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, shall not prevail against it, shall not prevail against it. The growth of Christianity is not celebrated by everybody. We are celebratory this morning, but the world, the culture is not celebrating the growth of Christianity. In In other words, they are despising the growth of Christianity You and I live in a culture that is very hostile towards God. We live in a culture that is hostile towards the values that we preach and the values that we live. We live in a culture where people are offended. People are are, are more prone to follow their opinions and preferences than biblical scriptures and biblical values and precepts. Our worldview is more humanistic Our worldview is more uh, American than it is Christian. Come on, somebody. And so therefore, we live in a culture that is very hostile to God, and they do not celebrate the growth of the Christian movement. You see, there are atheists, there are non-believers, there's liberal scientists and humanistic philosophers and teachers, there are God-haters that hate Christianity, Let it be known today that Jesus said in the Gospels that if they hate me, they will hate you. Jesus said, if they hate me, they will hate you. So I don't know why we get upset if the world don't agree with us and the world don't like us and the world don't celebrate us. I want to let you know the world shouldn't celebrate us and the world shouldn't like us and the world shouldn't be on our side because we are the ecclesia. We are the church. We are called out from above among the world. We are a people within a people. We are a nation within a nation. We are a community within a community. We are the church. There was an article written in the San Francisco Chronicle several years ago when they celebrated the growth of Christianity and an atheist responded to the growth of Christianity, a God hater. Somebody that didn't believe in God or the movement of Christianity and despised this movement. And in the article he said this, and I quote, he was named anonymous in the San Francisco Chronicle concerning the growth of Christianity. And I quote, the reason that religious tribes are growing around the world is that it's much easier to believe in the unproven than to think and ask questions. Most of the world is impoverished, uneducated, plagued by war and disease. So I take little solace that so many of this besieged believe in fairy tales in order to make their lives a little easier. It's amazing that everyone, it's amazing that anyone with an ounce of sense would even believe in gods and spooks and leprechauns. No wonder the world is in such a mess with so many irrational people in it. The world is already overcrowded, so thank God we atheists are keeping our numbers down. The poor and religious people in other countries seem to be breeding like mice. Obviously, they don't celebrate the growth of Christianity. Christopher Hickens said it like this, the great atheist. He said, and I quote in his book, all religion and all churches are equally demented in their belief in the divine intervention, divine intercession, or even in the existence of the divine in the first place. Another famous... An atheist said it like this in his book, better by far to embrace the hard truth than a reassuring fable. Richard Dawkins, that famous atheist who disbelieved in Jesus, God, and the Bible, said this, and I quote, faith is one of the world's great evils, comparable to smallpox virus, but harder to eradicate. He also said in his book, uh, Richard Dawkins also said, and I quote, religion is capable of driving people to such dangerous folly. The faith seems to me to qualify as a mental illness. He also said this, and I quote, if religion, religious instruction were not allowed until the child had attained an age of reason, we would be living in a quite different world. Another atheist said this, If scientists can destroy the influence of religion on young people, then I think it may be the most important contribution that we can make. Another atheist said it like this, Christianity is like a belief in slavery. You see, my friends, even though Christianity is exploding around the world at a rapid rate, there are more people being born again today than in all the history of Christianity We have TVs, we have satellites that's reaching across the oceans, uh, reaching across the seas. We send out more missionaries than any other country in the world. People are being evangelized. People are being fed. People are being taken care of. Social justice and proclamation of the word of God is being seen on every continent around the world. The church Of Jesus Christ is alive, it is well, and it is a living movement that is storming the gates of hell. But in spite of all of that, we still have liberal scientists and atheists and philosophical thinkers who are anti-God and anti-Christian. Because that is the world that we live in. We live in a society where biblical values are not celebrated. We live in a society that if you disagree with somebody's preference, then you hate them. But let me just mark this down real quick here, that just because I disagree with you doesn't mean I hate you. We can be, come on somebody, we can sit at the table, and we can have a healthy conversation, and we can disagree and not hate one another. But you see, we live in a generation that if we disagree with somebody's Uh, Definition of truth It's all about relevant truth What's relevant to them May not be relevant to you The idea of absolute truth Is almost something that's unheard of Almost unheard of. Traditional values in scripture is something that's almost unheard of because we live in a culture that is anti-God. And Jesus said they will hate you because they hated me. Jesus also said in the book of Matthew chapter 5 that when you experience persecution, you need to rejoice because they persecuted the prophets before you and they will persecute you. Jesus said that there's coming a day that men shall kill you in the name of God thinking that they're doing God a favor we are living in the last of the last days but this is not a season for us to hang our head down this is not a season for us to worry about what to do we are living on also exciting times it's the worst of times but ladies and gentlemen it's the best of times we are living in the best of the best times you say preacher I've heard it over and over and over. I have too. But the more I study the scriptures, the more that I see that we are strategically living in the last of the last days. You see the Apostle Paul said that in the last days that evil deceivers will wax worse and worse, thinking they're doing God a favor. We are living in that time. When you look around in our culture, you would think that it cannot get any worse. That it can't even get worse. But you see, ladies and gentlemen, men's hearts are deprived. Men's hearts are evil. Without Jesus, you will do things you never thought you would do. Without Jesus, you will go places that you never thought you would go. Without Jesus, you would do and say things that you never thought you would do because the heart of man is evil. And that is why Jesus is the answer beyond any other answer that you could ever think of. Ladies and gentlemen, even though that we are living in a wonderful time. We are also living in Perilous times, but I'm also reminded that the church of Jesus Christ is exploding around the world because Jesus is getting ready to return and Jesus is sending forth people out into the harvest field so people could hear the gospel before the great last day of the Lord. Hallelujah. And I want to let you know I've heard it since I was a little boy, but I want to say it to you again. I believe with all my heart. I do not live for revival. I live for Jesus. I don't live for emotions. I live for Jesus. I don't live for prophecy. I live for Jesus according to the written word. But I do believe that Jesus is going to come back for more than he left. And I do believe that before the trumpet sounds, there is going to be a great revival that is going to sweep across every continent of the world because the devil is not going to have the last say. He's going to have the last say. And I don't know about you, but this church is right in the exact spot that God wants us to be because oh hallelujah I don't know about you but I want everything that God has for us everything I want it I need it I want what God has for me. I don't want to miss it don't want to miss it for anything I want what God has for us amen the hot are getting hotter and the cold is getting colder. This is not the day where you straggle the fence, whether you're in or out. Those days are over. The hot's getting hotter, and the cold are getting colder. Christianity is growing. What's so great about Christianity? I'll tell you what's great about Christianity. It's Jesus is what makes Christianity great. Hallelujah. And without Jesus, Christianity would just be a dead sect. Preaching a dead gospel. Preaching by dead people. Come on, somebody. Being propagated in every country of the world. Because without Jesus, it's a dead movement. And Jesus... You see, people are not upset that the church feeds the poor. The world is not upset that we have little events and we feed people and give out Christmas baskets you think the world is upset at that they celebrate that the world is not upset because you bind up the broken hearted you visit the sick in the hospital that doesn't threaten the world social justice practices does not threaten the world It's the message of Christianity that affects the world. It's the message of Christianity that affects the world. Jesus is not popular to everybody. Jesus is the most loved and hated person in all of history. You either love Jesus or you hate Jesus. Oh, Jesus was celebrated as long as he healed the sick and raised the dead. But the moment he started preaching repentance and forgiveness, living right and living holy, is the moment the religious people had an attitude. Jesus' message is what's divisive. Oh yeah? Jesus is... Pretty divisive. Luke 6, 27. But I say unto you, Jesus said, that you should love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, 34, that whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Jesus said in Matthew, excuse me, Mark 10 and 21, go your way, sir. And whatever you have, give it to the poor, and you have treasures in heaven. Luke 14, 26, if anyone does not hate his mother and father, the word hate means love less. If anyone does not hate his mother and father, brothers or sisters, you cannot be my disciple. He who finds his life must lose it, and whoever loses his life For my sake shall find it. Jesus is the most loved and Jesus is the most hated person in the world. Oh, it's not because he healed the sick and raised the dead. It's because of his message. The church is celebrated as long as we heal the sick, be nice to people, feed the poor. But the moment the truth of the gospel is preached, it becomes divisive. Jesus said this, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no man can come to the Father except through me. Now, I don't know about you, but that's pretty divisive. You know what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying, Islam is not the way. Buddhism is not the way. Hinduism is not the way your theology is not the way your thinking is not the way Jesus said I am the way I am the truth and I am the life now either either you believe Jesus is a liar a lunatic or you believe he's Lord don't you dare pick out stuff in the Bible that you think is nice and pretty and keep it if you believe it believe all of it. If you reject it, reject all of it. I wish somebody up in this church would just help me preach for a little bit right there. Hallelujah. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Is there anybody in this building can just be thankful for Jesus right now? Come on, somebody give God glory for Jesus. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the first. Jesus is the last. Jesus is the beginning. Jesus is the end. Jesus is the keeper of creation and the creator of all things. He is the architect of the universe and the manager of all things. Jesus was always he is now and he will always be Jesus is unmoved unchanged undefeated and never will he ever be undone. Jesus was bruised and brought the world healing. He was pierced. He eased our pain. He was persecuted and brought us some freedom. He was dead and brought us some life. He reigns and brings us peace. The world cannot understand him. The armies cannot defeat him. Schools cannot explain him. Leaders can't explain him away. Pharisees cannot confuse him. Tried to silence him. The grave tried to stop him. Oh, but he lives today with healing in his wings. Jesus. Woo. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. I'm telling you today, we need to get back to Jesus. We need to worship Jesus. We need to celebrate Jesus. He is the Lord. And I believe everything it says. Come on, they told me not to speak in tongues when I was in Bible college, but I'm ready to get a Pentecostal fit up in this building this morning. Hell, oh, thank you. Hallelujah. Jesus is unchangeable. Lord of everything. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is the seed of the woman. He is the Passover lamb. He is the high priest. He is the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. He is a prophet likened to Moses. He is the captain of our salvation. He is the judge and the lawgiver. He is the kinsman redeemer. He is the trusted prophet of the ages. He is the reigning king. He is the rebuilder of broken down walls of human life. He is my Mordecai. He is the ever living redeemer. Hallelujah. He is the shepherd. He is the wise counselor. He is the prince of peace. He is the mighty God. He is the weeping prophet. He is the fourth man in life's fiery furnace. Woo! He is the fountain of hope. He is the river that never runs dry. He is the Son of Righteousness. He has healing in his wings. He is the Messiah. He is the Wonder Worker. He is the Son of God. He is the Holy Ghost. He is the Justifier. He is the Sanctifier. He's the Redeemer from the curse of the law. He's the God who supplies all of our needs. He is the fullness of the Godhead, dwells bodily. He is the mediator between God and man. He is the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He is the great physician. He is the chief shepherd. He is love. He is the Lord coming with 10,000 of his saints and he is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. I'm saying Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Either we believe the gospel either you believe it or you disregard it. Either Jesus is Lord or Jesus is a lunatic. But don't you be a hypocrite and pick out what you want to believe and throw the rest out. It don't work like that, my friends. Either you believe it or you don't believe it. Either you believe he saves, you believe he's real and he's the only way, or you don't believe it. Hallelujah. It's amazing to me. I just come to preach a Bible study. I'm almost done. Are you all with me? Jesus said, Matthew 10, verse 34, do not think that I've come to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace come to bring a sword. For I have come to set man against father, daughter against mother, daughter-in-law against her mother. For in a man's own house will be his own enemies. Jesus said that my message is not going to make you popular if you believe it. Even among the people who were closest to you. Don't forget that Adam fell into sin because he listened to the voice that was closest to him. Just because a voice is close to you, don't mean it's the right voice. It's, can I just say something? Are y'all with me today? Come on, is there anybody with me today? Can, can, I, can I say something? It's, it's interesting to me. You don't have to turn there. But it's interesting to me that in Matthew 26, verse 69, for the sake of time, I, don't, I can't read it to you all. But I do want it to be behind me because I want you to see this. The Bible says that Peter was outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to me and said, you must be with Jesus. You were with Jesus of Galilee. The Bible says, but he denied it, saying, I don't know what you're talking about. Verse 71, and he went out to the court, the pathway, the gateway there, and another girl saw him and says, well, you must be with that. You must know Jesus. You must be a part of his clan. Verse 72, but he denied it again and said, I don't know the man. A little later, he stood there. As he was standing there, somebody said, surely you're one of them for your speech betrays you. Right there is the greatest Scripture, one of the greatest Scriptures in the Bible. A true believer, your speech should betray you. Now I'm just going to move on because I know y'all don't want to hear that. And then what did he do? He began to cuss. I don't know the man. Now, isn't it interesting? A man, an apostle, a disciple, one of the twelve, denied Jesus. But yet, the Bible says in 1 Peter 3.5, Peter writes a book. The same man that denied Jesus later wrote a book, and this is what he said in his book, First Peter chapter three verse fifteen. He said something interesting. Peter, the same person that denied Jesus, said this in the book he wrote: "Be sanctify the Lord your God in your hearts, and be always to give a defense." to anyone who asks for the reason of the hope that's in you with meekness and fear. Hold on. Peter, I thought you denied him. Peter, I thought you said you didn't know him. But now Peter writes a book and says, have sanctified God, put God in your heart and then give a reason why you believe what you believe. It's just not enough to have Jesus in your heart. But he said, I want you to be prepared and give a defense for what you believe. Now, y'all were hearing this preacher this morning. The same preacher, the same man that denied his Lord, that said he didn't know the Lord In this book, he writes and says, but you know, you need to sanctify him, put him in your heart, but you also need to give a reason for the hope that you have. Give a defense. My friends, the God haters, the liberal scientists and atheists and philosophical teachers of our present day. Do you know what they think of us? They think that our faith is delusional and irrational, that our faith is not based upon something that can be proven or verified. And we have Christians who will say these words, just believe, just believe. But my friends, our faith is rooted in objective truth. It's an intelligent faith. Christianity is a mind thing and a heart thing. And sometimes we focus so much on the heart that we forget about the head. And Peter said, make sure you get him in your heart. Sanctify him in your heart. But don't you dare forget to give a reason. Use your mind and give a defense to the reason you believe in this thing. My friends, in the postmodern society that you and I live in, Do you have a reason for the hope that's within you? Can you defend Christianity? Can you tell the world what is so great about Christianity? Can you defend Christianity? Oh, I know you got Jesus in your heart, but can you sit down at the table of an atheist or a Muslim and have an intellectual conversation with them about the tenets of Christianity? Peter said, get him in your heart, but give a reason for why you believe it. Now, i got a few minutes left. And what we're going to do next Sunday and the Sunday after, I'm going to give you evidence. I'm going to tell you why Christianity is so great. I'm going to give you reasons why we should believe it. I'm going to give you reasons why we should stand upon it and proclaim that Christianity is great. But this morning, very quickly, throughout the next few weeks, I'm going to deal with three things. I'm going to deal with his character. I'm going to deal with his claims. And I'm going to deal with his corpse. I'm going to deal with his character, who he is. I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to deal with his claims. And then I'm going to deal with his corpse. And we're going to take a journey in the next few weeks, and we're going to see why Christianity is so great. What is so great about Christianity? This morning, as I close, I want to start dealing with the character. I'm not going to finish it. But what is character? Character is how you treat somebody when they can't do anything for you. Character is how you treat those who cannot do anything for you. Character is how you treat somebody when they don't know when they can't benefit you. That is what character is. It's who you are in private. And Jesus is so great. You know why Jesus is so great? Because He was a man of character. And Jesus did things for people because those people could never benefit Jesus. Those people couldn't even help themselves. But yet Jesus said, I'm free from that. You don't have to thank me. You don't have to benefit me. I am here to help you because I'm a man of character. You know what Jesus did? He reached out to number one, the political outcast. You know who the political outcast was? It was the tax collectors. He ate with the tax collectors. The tax collectors couldn't do anything for Jesus. He ate with them. Number two, he reached out to those who was of a different ethnic group. He, he reached out to the racial outcast. He reached out to the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. In Luke chapter 7, he reached out to the prostitutes. He reached out to the moral outcast. Lastly. He reached out to the physical outcast. He reached out to the lepers, those who were sick. And Jesus touched him anyway. You know what character is? Character is saying, I can do something for you. And it doesn't matter whether you can benefit me or not. Jesus reached out to the political outcast, the racial outcast, the moral outcast, and the physical outcast because he was a man of character. And in my last minute of the sermon, what does this have to do with Peter? Don't lose me. I'm closing with this. Remember what I said? Matthew 26, Peter denied the Lord. Then Peter what writes a book. It says, go ahead and stand up for the truth and defend the truth and give a reason for it. My question is, what happened to Peter from the book of Matthew to 1 Peter? What happened to Peter's life? Matthew, excuse me, Mark 16, 7. This is what I want you to see. Mark 16, 7. This this is the resurrection of Jesus. And at the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus was raised from the dead. Jesus, after he was raised from the dead, Jesus goes and says to Mary, I want you to go tell my disciples, and I want you to tell who? I want you to tell who? I want you to tell who? One more time. I want you to tell my disciples, and I want you to tell who? Did you get it, church? Church. Jesus was a man of character. Peter was the outcast. Peter felt as though he had messed up so much that he was shunned. And Jesus steps on the scene and says, Peter, you don't have anything to offer me. I'm a man of character. I'm a man of my word. And I still accept you, even when you're messed up. What? Listen, look at, the, look at the preacher. What makes Christianity so great? Look. Jesus' character. Look at his character, and you'll find that Christianity is great because Jesus is a man of character. Hallelujah.